Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm out of COVID jail. I'm back in my apartment. It's, it's nice to be back. And as a reward, we have two victories of Tottenham Hotspur to talk about. First, we have a 4-0 drubbing of Burnley. And next, we have a slightly less emphatic 1-0 win against Fulham. Uh, joining me to talk about this is our usual panel of experts. Starting us off, we have Ben Daniels coming to us live from the south, where the weather is presumably not awful like it is up here in New York. Ben, how how, how are you enjoying things down there? Oh, it's a beautiful day to celebrate the return of our Lord and Savior, Gareth Bale. But not Deli Alley? Oh, that also. <laughs> we have two lords at the... Lords and saviors. Delhi's more of a disciple, if we're all being honest with ourselves. But yeah, it's nice to have it's him back. It's a father, there. son, and the Holy Ghost. Ah, okay. Okay. Wait, so who's the third person in this equation? It's not Mourinho, is it? I don't really know. I'm Jewish. I'm oh, okay. Kidding. Okay. Thing works. Well, next up, we have a. Uh... I can't remember the Jewish word for for not Jewish people all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, I thought you were anyway. going to call me like a shiksa or something. Oh, like, well, no. Please, please, no. Um,. Next up, we have another uh, expert uh, coming to us from the slopes of Florida. It's Brian Ashlock. Brian, how's it going? It's going great, guys. Yeah, it's this, this intro is just moving along with the with the finely tuned, uh, you know, just rhythm of Tottenham's attack. Yeah, you know, um, your intros have gotten progressively worse and worse as the season's gone on. Um, In my I, defense, I probably have COVID brain tonight. Yeah, I don't know if that accounts for the prior two months, but sure, why not? We don't, we don't, we're all we're learning about it's COVID every day. Long, COVID. <laughs> yeah. long retroactive COVID. <laughs> well, let's, uh, in the interest of keeping my brain cells fresh, let's start with something. Uh, let's start with the good news, which was our emphatic four 0 victory against Burnley. Uh, I don't want to get too carried away um, because obviously it's Burnley, but I think it's worth pointing out. Burnley is a team that often gives us fits. Uh, they have been in the past, maybe not so much recently, a very sturdy defensive outlet. And I think this is easily Tottenham's best game of the season. Certainly the best game of the season isn't against the dregs of, say, the Austrian Bundesliga. Uh, Brian, what was... I mean, was, was this as impressive as it looks on paper? Oh, yeah! He's muted! <laughs> Damn it. I looked down and the light was on, I swear to God. Um, so anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> I hate you guys. I hate doing this show. I don't know why I agree to do this every week. Um, yeah, it was good. We won four, four? How many did we score? Four. Four, yeah. I don't even remember the game now. <laughs> Fuck. Um, <laughs> I think Gareth Bale did some things. Is that, does that jog your no. memory? Yeah, Gareth Bell was really good. Um, I, 
<laughs> I really thought that we were going to start Deli Alley in that match, and so especially coming off the the midweek uh, fixture, and so it was weird that he that he didn't get a run out, and we saw instead Lucas playing kind of in the attacking band with uh, with the rest of uh, Bale, Son, and Kane. Um, but he had a good game too. Like I, I don't know. Our, our entire attack looked good. Um, we looked fairly coherent. Burnley never really looked like they were going to trouble us. Um, you know, Nick Pope did it look like he was rooted to the spot on that one Gareth Bale, the, the, the Gareth Bale goal. Um, the, the, the second one. Um, and I, I don't know. I, we were just better than them, which is exactly how this game should go. Well, so Brian, why was this game so much? I mean, I feel like we've played some bad teams. We've even like beaten comprehensively beaten some bad teams this year. It doesn't look this good most of the time. Was it just Gareth Bale was firing and Deli Alley had a good day at the office? Like, what made this game so different? Because I, I feel I don't think any Tottenham fan would argue that this felt different. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of it is is this definitely did appear to be again. Jose Mourinho kind of taking the shackles off of the attack and whether that meant just, you know, allowing Spurs to have more of the ball and allowing the the good attackers to do good attacking things or if there was some actual coherent plan that, hey, Burnley don't want the ball, here's what we're going to do. I don't know. I think it's much more likely that Jose was like, yeah, fine, you can have the ball, go. But it worked. I mean, I think you have to take into account the fact that Gareth Bale scored in the first minute of the game. And, yeah, the first ninety seconds. You know, right. that's not a that's not a situation that Burnley likes to find themselves in. You know, as a team who wants to camp out, find themselves a goal down, it, it means they kind of have to open up a little bit more than they, they would like to. I don't you know, know we've done this because we've done that before this year. We've scored in like the first five minutes, and we don't bring the hammer down like this most weeks. Are you telling me we usually score early and then sit there for 90 minutes? Yeah. I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, if only there was another game to talk about that might fit that description later. Uh, but Yeah, I just think it's, it's, it's what Brian said. Like, we haven't seen us score an early goal and be kind of like free-flowing and fun. We've kind of seen this be a little a little fun. We haven't seen us, you know, take a team behind the woodshed that quickly, and then, you know, keep it up, keep playing. Yeah. So and like, I think those things combined really led to uh, a massacre. On the extra inch this week, uh, Nathan, when he was talking about this game, made a. I guess they weren't even talking about this game. They were talking about um, Lucelso, but he made the point. That, you know, if you have enough good players on the pitch, you can kind of overwhelm a lack of creativity or a lack of tactics because they're just good enough they take it over themselves. Do you think that was part of what we had? Because I think someone um, in our chat made a good point during the game. And, like, with the exception of maybe Lo Celso, this was probably – there was – when Delhi came on, it might have been the best 11 we've put out there this season or the ideal Tottenham Hotspur 11. I would argue Lo Celso is probably any ideal Tottenham 11, but – yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like when you don't have, you know, structured attacking patterns and a real formal style of of moving the ball into the final third and how you want to create chances, you depend on the, you know, inspiration and innovation of your talented attacking players. And Jose, for some reason, 
um, decided to play the season on hard mode and not play as talented attacking players. And so, you know, it's much harder to find that inspiration when Suzuko's the guy driving into the final third than when it's, when it's Gareth Bale. Or when um, you've got good players like Kane and Son and they have the, they clearly have the parking brake on. They're not they're not being allowed to go crazy out there. Or only right. those two. And no well, one, they're, right, they're the only yeah. ones allowed. Yeah, so, yeah like, Bergvine's got to play defensive, got to do defensive scut work all day and he isn't free to bomb up and down the pitch. Right, one of the things I was concerned about is like by allowing these four attackers loose, it would mean, well, our really exciting progressive fullbacks would have to hang back because we couldn't, can't have too many guys committed forward. Um, and I think we maybe started that way a little tentatively, but... You know, by the end of the game, you know, it was Ndombele and Regulon and Aurier and everyone was kind of popping up in the final third. And, yeah, when you're attacking with not just Kane and Son, but four, five, six, seven really, really dangerous and creative players, yeah, you can absolutely overwhelm the team without a lot of, you know, tactical drilling behind that approach. And, I mean, this was the first game, really, that Regulon was back, right? Yeah. And, and so... It, like Ben said, you certainly saw some tentativeness from him early, um, and you didn't see him, you know, bombing on to to really get involved early. But then, you know, he later on in the game, he he gets much more involved in the attack, and and I think our attack works so much better when you have his added width out on that left side because you've already got Sun cutting in, and you know, Davies just. He just doesn't provide that width further up the pitch. And Regulon just always running, and and his crossing is so, so good. I, Regulon is one of those guys that, I mean, uh, we, we were talking before the podcast about, like, vintage Spurs transfers, but he reminds me of some of the guys we used to get back in the day where they're so good when we get here, and then you just... Like I mean, I think that kid's just got such a huge, just such a high ceiling. Like he's he's already excellent, and if he continues to develop, I mean, it's scary to think about how good he could be. I mean, there's just so much more he can do, and he's already so good. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy you definitely want to see like the shackles come off and have have to play a less disciplined role because when he goes forward, it's just it's super fun. And there's so many games we've had this season where you know we go on a counterattack and you wait for that that fullback overlapping, bombing down the wing to create another option for you. And it's just not there. And, you know, having those outlets just makes such a difference for us. Um, well, and it's even with, like, you know, we joke how he's a golden retriever and he's overly excited and wouldn't know what to do with the car if he caught it. But even when he does, like, I, what I find so encouraging about him is as good as Aurier can be in attack, like, I just feel like Regulon is so much more dangerous when he gets up there between, like, the movements he makes, the like he he offers a level of crossing and passing that I don't feel like Warrior offers. I mean, maybe it's just he doesn't do the the extremely dumb shit that Aurier does, but it's just it's so much fun to watch him out there, and it's so nice to have him back. Yeah, I mean, and he's I really the, what Go the thing ahead, I was going to say is is we you know we we touched on Gareth Bale earlier, but I did want to just say that like. I appreciate that he was running this match. We talk about Regulon's running, and like it feels like for so much of the season, Kane and Son were the only guys running in the attack. And since the introduction, reintroduction of Lucas, um, you know, since the playing Lamella some at the ten, um, you know, Gareth Bale and Deli Ali recently, like we're now getting more players into the box. 
We're we're attacking. You know, we're not having Sun and Kane attack of four defenders. You know, we're we're running four on four breaks. Like, it's a lot more interesting now that some of these guys are either, you know, getting back into shape or being allowed to run or whatever the case may be. This is a lot more interesting. Well, and it's it's more effective. Like you take that first goal as an example, right? Like. Kane and Bale are both making runs into the box at the same time. And in games past, you know, Kane is the only option there. And Kane is is covered, you know. Like, he might still get to it because he's Harry Kane and he's really good. But, like, just by having one other player there who can, you know, be in between the defender marking Kane and, and Son, you know, you see how wrong-footed Nick Pope gets because he kind of expects that ball to go to Harry Kane. That's where everyone expects that ball to go. And by adding an extra player in the box who can poke it near post, you know, it's just it's just such a simple little thing that just makes our attack wildly more effective. And, and I think this also goes back to the conversation about, like, creative players can sort of overwhelm uninspired tactics because Bale scores that goal because he's just so technically gifted. And, you know, he's not in a great position to, to poke it in. He's on the wrong foot. And he just he's able to sort of control his body enough and... You know, he's talent. He's a talented enough footballer. He's able to sort of make lemon out of lemonade there. And it's it's really impressive. And I think that that's a good transition. To, I think the star of this game, we've talked about him a little bit, we haven't really gotten into, is Gareth Bale, who I think this latest run of games, and admittedly some of it's against lesser the lesser lights of the Europa League, but really from that West Ham game on, like I think we're getting the kind of version of Gareth Bale I was hoping we would get when we signed him, which is... Okay, he can't bomb up and down the pitch and like leave Mikeon in his, you know, eating his cleats like he did all those years ago. But he can also like, I mean, he's he's a very ta- technically talented footballer. He's strikes the ball really well. He makes smart passes. He puts himself in good positions. I mean, this is kind of what I was hoping we would see, and it's really paid dividends for Spurs the last couple matches. Well, the last two matches, I mean, not only has he been scoring goals, but he's had some really nice assists. His assist to Kane um, was was unbelievable. Like just yeah, that pass he makes to Kane is nuts. You know, he's involved in the build up for the Deli or Deli Alley's. I guess it's not his goal, but the the goal against Fulham today. Um, he makes the pass uh, out of our our defense uh, forward to Deli. Um, you know, like that's the kind of thing we expected. I think we'd all kind of come to terms with that we wouldn't always see, you know, fast Gareth Bale. Like you said, we weren't going to see him sprinting out of bounds and around fullbacks. Like, we we thought we'd see a little more of it than we have, but we knew it was somewhat gone. But you knew he was still one of the best attacking talents in the world. And you knew that he could still hit the ball and he could uh, pass it well. And I thought he would be maybe a little more creative given, you know, what he has around him. And and he's finally starting to show that, and it's it's really encouraging for this run of games that we have coming up. And I think the thing that's also exciting about that is not just what Bale himself is doing, but the knock-on effects to the rest of the team. You know, we've had to see Harry Kane make that ball that that Bale played to him for his goal. You know, all season long, where Harry Kane comes deep and he, you know, plays great great passes and behind the defense for Sun to run onto. But Harry Kane is also one of the best strikers in the world. And if he's doing the one thing, he's not doing the other. And now having another guy who allows him to be on the end of chances like that, you know, just 
gives us so many more options. Um, you know, now it's it's harder to defend because, you know, you don't know. If Kane's going to drop deep, he can hit that ball to Bale or Son. You know, if Kane wants to be in the box, Bale can hit that ball to him. Um, I think, you know, honestly, as much as we've talked about Gareth Bale, Hungman's son was also phenomenal that game. He created nine chances. Like, his delivery was off the charts good. And, again, you know, by not having him have to be the only guy who can get in the box because Harry Kane is the guy feeding him, he's able to do all kinds of things. And, you know, it's been easy to forget that son's delivery is also really excellent. And it's a thing we've just missed a lot this season. And so just again, by have, adding more good players, there's, there's an exponential compound effect because they all just make each other better, let each other do different things. Let us attack in, in a diversity of ways um, that just in theory should just make us better. Well, and this is one of, and I, I don't want to, you know, because I think if you're going to give Mourinho credit for anything, I think you got to give him credit for Sonny King have been excellent this year. And, I, and, you know, he probably has something to do with that. But at the same time, like, I think that's one of the reasons I find the situation so frustrating is like, like, God, imagine these players in like a peak Pochettino unit or, you know, just a manager who's more like, yeah, let's play on the front foot. Let's take it to him. Let's. You know, let's really, like, go after these other teams. And we just don't see that that much. And, you know, you just think of, like, God, if we can get a better manager in here next year, this team could really, go, like, just start whipping other people's asses all the time. And, you know, it, like, the, I, I feel like the tools are there. It's the, We're not far away from a very good team. Like, especially, you know, you bring in Sabitzer, like we've been rumored. You would get Skip into this midfield. You know, you sign a, you sign a central defender or two, and like you know, you got a stew going. And I don't want to, you know, just get into like we should fire Mourinho talk again, but it's just. But I, but well, no, but you, but you can see how talented this team is, and I think the Burnley game really gave you. You know, I mean, he's the coach. You got to give Mourinho credit for the fact that we did it. But I feel like you really saw what this team can do when the hand breaks off, and we're not unnecessarily benching some of our most talented, creative players. When you know these guys are motivated, when they're sort of allowed to cook, it's you know we, I mean, frankly we probably scored, could have scored more than four on Burnley. It was it was a really impressive attacking performance, and it's it's frustrating we don't to know on some level. And I'm I'm not trying to find a cloud inside our silver lining here, but it's frustrating that we're capable of that. And again, it's Burnley. I don't want to get carried away, but we're capable of this, and we just don't do it for some fucking reason this year. I, I don't know. I just noticed that people weren't as excited about signing Nick Pope anymore. <laughs> I, I don't know. I never, it's hard to evaluate keepers. I think Spurs fans are way too harsh on the release, but like after the way their defense played that game, like I, I, I don't know how how to evaluate Pope after that. Well, yeah. I mean, like I, I mentioned, you know, he was rooted to the spot on that for the fourth goal, the Gareth Bale, the, the cut in onto the left foot and just you know bang it into the corner, but. I don't know what he could have done on it. Like they well, let the him King come goal, onto his left foot. Like the King goal took that. a the second King goal took a big deflection, and you know there's nothing you can do about that as a keeper. But yeah, I, but you are right. It certainly <laughs> it dampens the enthusiasm for getting him in here. I, I don't. I to me, I don't think Nick Pope was like the reason Burnley. No, no, no. no I'm not saying they so. Were. I have a hard time indicting him on that. Yeah. But yeah. So you're right. It's hard to be excited about a guy you just smacked four goals past. So Brian, I feel like this was kind of Deli Alley's sort of 
uh, coming out party might not be the right term, but certainly his ret- return to the spotlight for Spurs. It wasn't a random Europa League match. He didn't start, but I thought Delhi had a really good game. And, you know, it cer- certainly led to him getting a start today against Fulham. But th- I think Delhi looks for a guy who's been, like, cooling his heels on the bench for however the fuck long it's been. Like, I thought he looked really good today. A- and on against Burnley. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it started with the match against Wolfsburger, which, you know, whatever not great competition but got to knock some rust off somewhere and uh and yeah it, it, he carried it into uh the the Burnley match where he didn't necessarily create a goal but you know some of the interplay he had with uh the attackers and and it, it was good like he created chances you know even late in the game when you would expect a Mourinho side to kind of be backing off he kind of kept us moving forward, attacking, creating chances. And then today, you know, he he basically gets the goal or, you know, he, he's responsible for the shot that leads to the own goal. Uh, you know, he's heavily involved in all of our build-up and attack. And, and it, like we talked about after the Wolfsburger match, um, you know, it, seeing that version of Deli Alley is very encouraging because it had been kind of a while since he'd played like that for Spurs. And we'd, we'd talked about like, is he a luxury player? Like, is he a second striker? Can he play as like a free eight? Can he do, but like seeing him out there like this, like whatever role he's in, he seems to be flourishing in because when he's, he's flourishing when he is allowed the freedom to do the stuff that he does best, whether that's flick ons, back heels, like, you know, little tricks in midfield that, you know, flick the ball onto Sonny or Kane or whatever. Like, And that's what he's done the last few matches, and he's playing with a little bit more creative freedom than he, he previously had under Mourinho. Yeah, I'm super excited to see Deli back. Just like, I mean, like yeah, he just has that create, he has this casual creativity to our attack, and it's, it's even more confounding while he was exiled, because it's not like, I don't feel like you have to massively... I, you know, watching him again, it's not like it's it's almost not like he's a luxury player. It's like you know he just does these things and creates these chances where it's like fuck. Like why did we sit him for so long? Right. Like the thing about like a luxury player is like he's a a luxury player is a guy who when he's not doing the tricks and flicks, they're not bringing any value to the team. Yeah. And that's just never been Deli Alley. Like he is always contributing. He's always running. He's always pressing. He's always putting in the hard yards. And, like, so even if his, like, creative shit isn't coming off on a given day, he's, he's, it's never a luxury to have him out there. He's still adding value. And, you know, it's frustrating that we got him in the full match, which I think we looked a little gassed. Like, I don't know if Gareth Bale will have the legs for a second match. Um, you know, Fulham was just a tougher opponent than Burnley. Um, you know, I wish we'd gotten to see him in that in that free flowing version of this team a few days ago. Um, and you know, to be fair to Lucas, like Lucas was good, but we all just know he's he's no Delhi. Um, and so yeah, it's it was nice that we got him an opportunity to play with roughly the same team, but it was a team without the fun attacking fullbacks. It was a team with a much more tired Gareth Bale, you know, and you still you still saw his value and. Creating great chances around the box, basically scored a goal. I mean, you know, he's he's a hell of a player. 
And it's 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 the frustrating thing is like I could see him maybe I, I like I could easily envision Deli Alley being a pain in the ass, uh, you know, like kicking out of training or whatever. I could easily see those things happening, but like, you know, we're not, we're not paying Jose Mourinho to be like fucking traffic cop. We're paying him to get the best out of this team, and you know, he should have been doing this all along. I mean, but he's got to like do his alpha male macho bullshit, and you know. I don't understand why you can't do that with, like, Harry Winks. And it worked. And after 15 <laughs> months in the wilderness, his alpha male macho bullshit has finally turned Deli Alley into an effective attacking player. You know, not just any manager can sit a player for, like, a half a season and bring him back and get something out of him. So, you know, just speaks to the quality of, of our manager. Yeah. I mean, if we remember, Deli Alley was washed well before Jose got here, and now, now look at him. Jose did this. So, talking about I the... Really, I don't even care if Jose takes credit for it. I no, I, I, I've always been there. If, in some ways, it's actually funny, but it's, it, I just want him fucking playing. Like, that's all I want. Like, like play the good players. Like, do not feud... Like, feud, like if, you need to, if you need to feud with someone, let's just keep Harry Wicks around and let him, like, you know, fight with him. But... <laughs> I know we've, I don't want to belabor this. I do want to belabor this. I know we talk about it a lot, but like, even he's not starting. Like, how the fuck was he not like a regular like thirty minute, ten minutes sub? Like, how do you not just say like, well, I don't like him generally speaking because he disrupts my way of playing. But if we need a goal, he's a guy who can do some shit. Like, why would you not want that? See, at why least you when you're at least when you're well, in the coach. Musa Sissoko exists, and if you have the opportunity to play Musa Sissoko. As a right back, as a as a right wing, as a central midfielder, striker, center back, you have to use it because Musa Sissoko should be playing yeah. if, any and every position available. If Delhi wants to start, if Delhi wants to start, he's Delhi wants to start. He's to get some like fucking pecs like Musa Sissoko. Like that, that that's the lesson to learn here. I bet Musa Sissoko will be a great manager someday. Oh God, I would rather hire Musa Sissoko as our manager than Jose Mourinho to see out the season. Would you rather hire Musa Sissoko than Scott Parker? I mean, yes, because I see what he does at Fulham. So, honestly, Fulham been decent. Like this was, they played us very well today. Good I feel like, there. but I feel like this game was like, again, with the caveat that I think you're right, Ben. This team was very tired, and there's probably something to that. But we've seen this game, like the Burnley game was like, I mean, that was kind of like seeing the world in full color for the first time in a long time. Um, this game was like, we've seen this shit before. Like, okay, Fulham come out, they play, they're better than us for like 10 to 15 minutes. We score a goal. Frankly, I thought we like, you know, we whipped their ass for the rest of that half. I thought Spurs played really well. Um, they were, I think they were a little unfortunate not to score another goal um, by the end of the first half. And then we come out at halftime and, you know, it's not the worst we've seen us look, but we definitely look second best for a while. And, you know, I think the difference today was we brought on Eric Lamella in, like, the 70, in, in the 70s, and he really reinvigorated the squad, and partly because we did something we don't usually do, which is he put us back on the front foot, and that took some of the pressure off our defense. But I feel like a lot of this is we've seen it before, and it's at the same old, same old, and I'm just not interested I mean, in watching it. The difference is VAR, honestly. Like, okay. You know, had that goal stood, it's like, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, we bring out Eric Lamella after we've conceded a goal, and we say, why did we give up the initiative? Why did it take us so long to try and attack them again? You know, and then we huff and puff and don't get the second goal, and we go home mad. Um, you know, and we were very fortunate that the handball rule is 
incredibly stupid, and by the letter of the law, that is technically a handball, and that was rightly disallowed. But, you know, by nobody's understanding or desire, is that how the handball rule should be interpreted? And we got very lucky that that's what happened. We and, did, and I would I would argue that I think we had the better of the chances in the match, but that hasn't gotten us points earlier in the year. I mean, you know, that's... Right. that's there's been plenty of matches where we have great chances, and... You know, we surrender the initiative, they score a goal, and it doesn't matter because we've already blown it. So it was nice not to blow it. I think on balance we had a a relatively good performance, but so did Fulham. And I think, you know, especially after the the high of Burnley, um, it was a come down that I don't think anybody was, like, really ready to face. Well, I think there's games like this where it's like, if you go back to, like, the sort of Pochettino years, not the, like, last year where we were just dogging it in every league game after January. But, like, it's one thing to have a game like this against, say, Fulham, like, every now and then. But, like, that we just always have this game is what I think is demoralizing. Right. You gotta just hope that the fact that we didn't just have this game against Burnley is, you know, maybe this is, will be reduced to the, you know, the kind of one-off frustrating match an entire week and not, you know, return to the norm, normal that we've gotten used to yeah i mean look we talk about that we had to use this stretch to build momentum again heading into the tail end of the schedule and you know this match not being a 1-1 draw uh or 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 worse it is huge for that because you know like you said tired legs we we you know hoybjerg continues to play every single freaking minute um, you know, we, we've got players that, that we're going to run into the ground. And if we're going to run them into the ground in a week like this, it's at least good to get a result out of it. Um, you know, hopefully the midweek fixtures in the next couple weeks with, uh, Dynamo Zagreb are less demanding on us. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, the three points is, is huge, because you're right. Like, right now, somehow, top four is, like, n- not outside the realm of possibility. We're five points back at Chelsea with a game in hand. You know, there's three teams in between us, but, you know, Everton and West Ham and Liverpool aren't aren't so good that we can't somehow put something together. And we have relatively uh, the easiest schedule, I think, of all those teams. You know, we've already played Liverpool and City and Chelsea and and most of the hard teams. So, you know, something stupid could happen this season because this has been a very stupid season. Um, and, you know, bringing guys like Delhi and Bale into the team who haven't had a lot of minutes on their legs over the course of the season and compared to guys like, you know, Salah and Richarlison and, uh, you know, they're going to be a lot fresher going into that home stretch. You know, Giovanni Lo Celso is going to come back at some time. Probably, like, Right when Hoybier's leg finally falls off from running him into the ground, we might get lucky and be able to just slot Los Celso into the midfield, and maybe that works out. And you know, like it's stupid, but like we could just sort of fluke our way to into the top four, not not crazily. Yeah, you know, we complain that I mean, we complain about what Mourinho's done to Spurs, but like I don't know, this is the Tottenham I fell in love with. Like, ooh, maybe we have a shot at top four if everything goes right. Like, hey, we're in eighth right now, but who knows? We got that got that big Martin Yole energy going on. Like, 
I mean, you know, it'll it'll be fine because we'll like lose to Crystal Palace this weekend, and we'll, a Crystal Palace team that has managed twenty four shots on target in their last twelve matches, um, and somehow they will beat us, and and then we'll all be it'll be fine, and we'll all come back crashing back down to earth, and we'll be like, yeah, Mourinho's gonna get fired, and everything will be okay again. It's just I mean, that's kind of the beauty of it, right? It's like <laughs> it's win win. Either Mourinho gets fired and we're all happy. Or we win games. Well, I was talking with someone about that um Burnley game and their whole point was like, if Mourinho gets his plan like this, I don't give a shit. Like but you know, I am skeptical right, that'll happen. Burnley every week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, which funnily enough in other seasons I would have thought was a huge fucking problem, but not this year, apparently. I don't know. I you know, it's it's hard to maintain optimism with just I don't want to say ill feeling that you have, but like you just kind of have like a little bit of malaise, I think. And I maybe part of that's due to just like the world is weird, and I want to go outside and see my friends and watch soccer with them. But also like, but it's just like uh, another Jose Mourinho well, coach Tottenham match. It's it's hard to like. We're at the point, I think in any coach's reign, but apparent, especially women's like experiences Mourinho, where you just have the feeling of like it's, it is what it is. At least, you know, like unless we get some drastically different player in this summer, like it's just, you know, this is what Spurs are going to be. And, you know, I think for us at least, it feels like we're on this sort of steady march to he's going to get fired in the summer. And, you know, I think Ben makes a good point. The things that would prevent that are probably pretty fun things. Oh, we'll be in the Champions League next year. Oh, we won the Europa League. Like, these are things I would probably enjoy. Uh, But at the same time, there's just this sense, and I think today was a little bit of cold water. And, you know, I I don't know if we should have been thinking things would be different because Burnley's one match. Wolfsburger is, again, Wolfsburger. But it's just like, God, you just feel like it is what it is. And today reminded you that, like, yep, this is the status quo, not what we saw against Burnley. And, you know, I think a lot of it, uh, I don't, we, we always end up talking about Jose Mourinho. I don't know why. Um, He's our but manager, like, that's why. Yeah, I, but I, I think a lot of it is, is this is kind of the first manager that we've had in a long time where it doesn't feel like there's a project in place. Sure would. Like, I think. Yeah, but if that was an interim manager, you know. I, yeah. I mean. You know, look, Harry Redknapp, you felt like there was a project, like the project was going from, you know, 6th or 7th to 4th. And and so we did that. And then we went to AVB, and the AVB project was to, to do better than that and usher us into, like, a new era and the, where we're Champions League regulars and we're in the new stadium. And then he didn't really do that, and the stadium kept getting delayed. And then Pochettino comes in and, like, that's like the Spurs project where we get, you know, usher this team into like what should be a new kind of grand, you know, era for the club. And then that goes sour. And to cap it off, we just kind of hired Jose to maintain the status quo. Um, and so, and so I think that's the thing is like, you know, what is the goal for Jose Mourinho as a manager? And I think I think we all know that it's short-termism and it's winning trophies now. 
And so we we're, we can't win the league, and we probably weren't going to anyway. And we can't win the FA Cup. And so now we've got two trophies left that we can possibly win. And that's not a project. Like that's just like that that that's just what you're doing every season. You're always trying to win trophies. And so it's hard to get, you know, two up over a four nil victory over Burnley when you know that well actually the matches that really matter for this manager is in April and, you know, the then the Europa League against Dynamo Zagreb or whatever. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I, why I say, like, you know, because the top four push is somehow still within reach, is it's like, maybe it, maybe it does happen. You know, maybe these games do matter. Maybe they do take on a sense of, of, of gravity and importance and, and fun as, as there's a tangible goal in sight. And, like, you know, not to defend the Mourinho hire or put any kind of gloss on it, but, like, Harry Redknapp was not a project when we hired him. Harry Redknapp was the guy to get us out of a 2.8 game spiral and like, you know, just keep us solvent, you know, for a season. And then it turned out he, he took that steadying of the ship and got us in the Champions League. And it's like, had Jose steadied the ship last season to like make us respectable and then come into this season and done what Harry Redknapp did, which was a convincing top four finish where we look exciting along the way, then, you know, you can kind of retcon the whole situation and be like yeah that does sound like the right manager where you know he's keeping us in the in the top four as we transition to whatever our next project's going to be and you know maybe winning a trophy along the way but like that's just not what we're getting and it would it's going to feel weird if somehow by april it turns out that we we might be getting that after all because it never felt like that yeah and i think that's what's so frustrating is it feels like it doesn't feel like we're aspiring to anything. And it doesn't even have to be, like, free-flowing, exciting football. That'd be nice. But, you know, it's like... If, it, it, it'd be one thing if we were, like... we like, Let's say we were doing a sustainable version of what we were doing earlier. Really we're crushing teams. We're, we're just... Like, we're doing, like, what Atletico do in, in Spain. Like, we're just beating you to death and crushing the life out of you and winning games that way. It'd be one thing if that's what we were doing. Or if we had a style of play like Pochettino or whatever, and I think, like, games like we saw again, and I don't want to be too harsh because I don't think the performance against Fulham was that bad, but those type of performances, they're the kind of thing that you excuse on, like, oh, it's your second game of the week, you're a little, you're, your legs are a little gone, and, you know, you got to grind it out occasionally, but that's the difference. Like, grind it out occasionally. We're just muddling through everything this year. It's not very fun, I mean, you know, there was a certain level, I don't want to dismiss it, when that counterattacking football earlier in the year was really clicking, you know, there was something fun about that. I enjoyed those some, some of those matches. Like, you know, it's, it hasn't all been misery, but it just doesn't feel like there is a ideal or style that we're aspiring to. That, Like, in an ideal world, this is what Spurs play like. And I think that for a team that's gone as far as Spurs have gone in previous years, that has invested as much in the squad as Spurs have invested... And frankly, for a manager of Jose Mourinho's pedigree, like it's just—it's. It, I think that's just kind of an unacceptable state of affairs. Yeah, I mean, yes, and you know, again, I'm just like kind of looking back over the last couple of months, and you know, in our last five matches, we've scored four goals three times. Like, yes, two of them were against Wolfsburg, and one of them was against Burnley. But like, 
it's been a pretty fun couple of weeks, all things considered, barring, you know, a shitty loss to West Ham. Um, and, you know, if you walk back a little further, it's like, yes, we got our asses kicked by Man City, and yes, we lost to Everton in the FA Cup, but it was, like, kind of a fun loss. And, you know, if, you, if you're really motivated to, <laughs> you can pull the narrative out of this and say, you know, maybe maybe there is something getting better. And maybe this is just a, a tired midweek performance where we had to grab the three points and the, we can go again at the weekend and things will be okay. I mean, like, but come on, we've watched, you know, again, like we've got Palace and Dynamo Zagreb and then the North London Derby. And it's like, I feel like every, every three match stretch of the season feels like this is going to be the defining moment of the season. You know, if we can just do X or we can just avoid that, then then something will happen. And, you know, we have a three-match run where we lose to Liverpool, Brighton, and Chelsea, and it's like the season feels over. And then we have a three-match run where, you know, this happens, and suddenly we're back in a top-four race. And it's like, you know, this is where the pendulum came from in the first place. It's like the whole season has been just so erratic. And you just keep waiting for something to stick Good or bad, honestly. Like if I'd ra- like, we're gonna be bad. Just like, be bad. Fucking put me out of my misery so I can stop expecting anything and stop like looking for positives. Well, you know, or just be good and boring, or be go- fun and weird. Like, just give me a consistent thing to hang on to. And I just, I just haven't had that. And so, like, you know, I look at the next fixtures and I'm like, oh yeah, we could, we could beat Palace. That's you know, three wins in a row, and then. We're set up pretty good in the Europa League, and hey, maybe we beat Arsenal in North London Derby. What a great week this is! You know, you can imagine that very easily. Just as easily, you can imagine losing both of those league games, crashing out of the Europa League, and everything being set on fucking fire. And I'm just, I'm tired of feeling that way. And I don't. Well, it just goes back to me, like again, it's like I don't know what we're trying to do. That's what that's what I, I keep coming back to, and. You know, we've watched like Mourinho's Chelsea. We've watched Mourinho's like Real Madrid. When like contrary to what people say, like went pretty well for a while there. Like I mean, he beat one of the best teams in the world for the Spanish league. You know, we've seen him at Inter Milan. We we like we know what it looks like, and I'm not saying it has to look like that, but we know what it looks like when Mourinho's got a team doing what he wants them to do. And I don't. I never feel that way about this Spurs team. I always feel like. We are papering over cracks. We are, you know, just trying to muddle through to get to the next game. Which, again, like, every team has stretches like that. But, you know, we've watched good managers. Like, we know what a Harry Redknapp Spurs team looks like. We know what, you know, Martin Yol Spurs look like. We know what it looks like when, you know, you're trying to do a certain... You know, it doesn't always work. And it's... That's what I get... That's the, the problem is, like, I don't feel like there is an ideal of Mourinho's Spurs that we either see... Or make sense, or we even try to do. Like we're just we just we do this weird counterattacking thing, but even that's not you know fully like something I feel like we're fully committed to. I don't know. It's just I'm, I'm tired of and like that's that's where I, I guess we get to these conversations about why we want him to go because it's just I, I know I've gotten to the point where I just feel like it is what it is. We've seen what the ceiling is. We've seen what the floor is, and I just like. You know, I think we've come to the conclusion it's not good enough, and we just want to move on. But I know this conversation must be a little tiresome because we're going to have it for another fucking three months at least. But um. well, I'm going to keep trying to be positive here because 
I think, you know. Oh, as God. As, God. As, what has happened to our podcast? Look, someone's got to say something interesting. Uh, <laughs> well, sure. I, I want to talk one about. One of us should, honestly. <laughs> but, like, the, you know, the one thing I'll say about this kind of fairly turgid Fulham performance was we didn't sit on that one goal lead. You know, we were boring and like we took the, our foot off the gas a little bit. And we let Fulham back into the game, but we didn't say we're going to put ten men behind the ball and try and counter and hope our defense can weather the storm. Like we didn't do that, and you know we almost still blew it, but we almost blew it in a different way than the way we were blowing it in a way that we hated for so long. And if, you know, looking back, you know some of it is because we've just lost a lot, <laughs> but we haven't like sat on a one goal lead since the last time we played Fulham in January. You know, we've either just been bad or we've been good. Uh, And that's new. That's something. That's something to say. Jose is doing something different than the thing we all hated. He's certainly responding. It doesn't always work. Yeah. But like, it's not, it's dumb in a new way. And new, new is always better. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. But this team, it's like anything different feels like it might be the different thing that finally makes us work. And it, you know, we're gonna lose to Palace this weekend, and I'm gonna be <laughs> furious and saying other things. But you know, in the name of looking towards something, I guess that's what I'd point to. Do you think the loss to Crystal Palace will be like the Brighton one, where we like outshoot them twenty-four to two, and Benteke scores a late goal, or do you think that Crystal Palace will just outplay us? Definitely the former. Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace doesn't outplay anyone. Crystal Palace shows up and decides they're going to ruin the game of football and anyone's enjoyment and the whole concept of sports and competition for ninety minutes. And sometimes they score a goal in the process. They are, without without question, just the worst team I've ever seen play football in the Premier League. Worse than, like, West Brom, who were, like, the Tony Pulis or Stoke, like, West Brom, Tony Pulis teams that just, like, <laughs> did nothing. The Stoke-West Brom, yes. <laughs> the Tony Pulis-Stoke or Tony Pulis-West Brom. You know, those fucking just tedious blight on football teams they at least were teams that like had an agenda you may hate that agenda and it's just say what you want about tony Pulis, but he has a philosophy that's right right say, say what you will about the the tenants um yeah crystal palace doesn't doesn't have that there's not like an organized defense with like a plan to score a goal they just somehow sometimes don't lose and it's just sucks it just sucks to watch Anyway, so we're going to lose to Crystal Palace. Brian's muted What's again. that, Brian? <laughs> this <laughs> is another match we blew another 1-0 lead in, right? Like, yeah. this is Schlupp scores late in the game against us, right? Yeah. Sorloth emerges from the from the earth to return. <laughs> he hasn't scored that many goals in Germany, so maybe that's fine. Um... So one last thing I want to talk about that isn't related to either of these games, but um, this is a few weeks old, but, you know, I had COVID and I forgot about it. Um, but, you know, Pochito, Mauricio Pochito has taken over PSG. And the first game, I feel like, if it wasn't his first game, it was his second game, was him winning 
the sort of the French equivalent of the charity shield. There are just a lot of articles about how he's got the trophy thing off his back, which, you know, I don't think is really true. But when I was watching it, I was sort of struck by how angry I was getting. Because, like, I, I definitely love Mauricio Cochillo for everything that Spur, he did at Spurs. And I wasn't nearly as angry when he left as I was at AVB. And certainly I can relate to someone who's just tired of their job and hates their boss, even if it's my club. But... I just found myself getting really agitated watching him celebrate, like, because I just kept focusing on, I feel like he really gave up on Tottenham. For everything else, I know there's a lot of reasons that he left, and I'm not interested in relitigating them, because we do that enough. But I'm just curious, like, how do you guys feel, like, watching Pochettino from afar at a different club now? Because I feel I'm very much on an island about being a little annoyed, and I know I'm being a bitter ex about it, and I, I kind of hate Greg, have you it. ever been friends? Have you ever been no, friends with an ex? No, I have not. Well... <laughs> Only like a casual high school girlfriend I dated, but no, I am not. But it's you it was... didn't date any girls in high school. <laughs> uh, You're on a okay. podcast. Okay, technically I wasn't in college yet. Uh, but <laughs> it was it was just I don't know. There was just something about him, like you know. And I should I I, I want Pochino to be happy to see, especially I want him to succeed outside of England, where I don't have to really like be reminded about it all the time. But there was just something about, like, because I, I really do think he gave up on us to a certain extent. You know, again, we don't need to litigate all the reasons for that, but I, it bothered me more than I thought it would. Like, in the moment, I was just very agitated about it, and no one else seemed to share this feeling. So, I don't know, how did you guys feel watching Pochettino at PSG, now that he's been there for a little bit, and he's had a little bit of success? He had that game against Barcelona in the Champions League, so he certainly had some success there beyond winning their charity shield. Super happy. Everyone's everything. It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't stick in your curl at all. No. No. Oh, God. <laughs> I've like. I wish things had worked out better with us and Pochettino. I recognize that he has some culpability in what went wrong. I don't think it's his fault. I don't think he quit on quit on us in the sense that like he was like fuck Tottenham Hotspur. It was a uh, this doesn't work anymore and there's no more I can do kind of quitting and like. I think we've all been there with something in our life that doesn't necessarily mean we like hate that thing. I mean, we um, keep doing this podcast every week. <laughs> That's true. I every try to quit week. on it all the time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm a better person than Bojatino. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm with Ben though. Like you know, I wanted to win stuff, and and if he's going to do it at PSG, that to me is ideal. Um, yeah, you're you right. Know, you're absolutely like yes, it's a super club, and yes, they have you know, a sovereign wealth fund backing them. But he played for them. He has history with the club. Like, I'm totally on board with him going back there and winning stuff with them and taking them to the Champions League final and winning it or whatever. Like, I'm much more pro this than him being at Real Madrid or Juventus or all those Bayern are fine. It's any, Manchester any, United any or other Chelsea that are the problems. Like that's where I really don't want to see him succeed. I mean, the yeah. thing is, like him succeeding with a mega club does not in any way diminish his time here with us. If he were to like win the league with Leicester, I'd lose my fucking mind. <laughs> not just because it's the Premier League or whatever, but it's like, why couldn't he have done that with us? You know, I don't feel that way towards PSG. It's like. Well, yeah, we don't have fucking Mbappe and Neymar and Verratti and, like, you know, a jillion dollars. Like, there's plenty of reasons why he can do it with PSG and not do it with us. Like, it doesn't rub me the wrong way at all. Yeah, and it's, you know, again, he's handled it all the right way. I mean, I think, like, 
he has not really said anything super nasty about Spurs. Like, I think he's had one or two slightly chippy sort of comments, but he has not really dragged us through the mud at all. He's been very nice to us whenever he does talk about us. It's just, I don't know, it's just like watching him there and it's it's it it, it sticks in my, you know, because like I, I totally get what you guys are saying about it. we've all had jobs we've hated or at least just gotten tired of, but, and I, you know, I, I think it's great on some level that we regard, you know, people in sport as people and understand their motivations, but at the end of the day, it's like Tottenham's my club, I don't feel like I have to, you know, I'm still a little mad that he got tired of working for my club, <laughs> like... I don't know. I'm sorry he has a hotter boyfriend than you. Yeah, no, me too. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. But sometimes you got to just be like, yeah, that guy's fucking hot, man. Like, I, I, again, I don't know. <laughs> I, would, I would deal with all of this much better if we weren't watching Mourinho's shit every single week. Like, I, I know that I would handle it a little bit better, but... Yeah, maybe it's time for you to look in the mirror, you know, hit the gym, you know, work it, on yourself a little bit, Greg. You know, you know, Ben, if uh, hitting the gym wasn't going to, like, you know, kill me, uh, I, I would do that, but... You know, yeah, like, you've had COVID. You're immune now. No. Yeah, now now my lungs don't work the same anymore, Ben. God, I've got I've got dirty smokers' lungs like yours. Man, that, seems, that seemed like it was uncalled for. <laughs> uh, I don't know why the personal attack was necessary. I'm just I'm very hurt by my ex boyfriend succeeding in Paris. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. I, I look, I can walk almost half a mile these days, Greg. So. <laughs> And that's and that's half a mile in Georgia, and like so, like the humidity and heat, you right, know, it's, like, it's really like a whole mile. Yeah, you got dodge, you got dodge like Marvel sets everywhere. It's a real pain. I don't know. I, I hope Pochino does intellectually. I, I I want him to succeed there. I want it to be work. Um, you know, in, in my in my secret heart of hearts, I want him to like fail at PSG on the same timeline that we sort of fail at Mourinho, so we just hire him back in a few years. But He's never coming back. He'll right? come back when both of us are on the skids, but, you know. All right, did you hate Gareth? How much did you hate Gareth Bale when he left? I didn't. That, that felt different to me. I don't know why. I, I honestly can't explain it. It was like, okay, he's gotten too big for us. It's time to go to, it's time to, go to Madrid. Like, there's something about, like, maybe it's because we were... It never went bad. It never went bad with Bale. Yeah, and, yeah well, that's true, too. He, he was always good for us. And the fact of the matter is, at the time, like, we hadn't just been in a Champions League final, where, like, it felt like, okay, he's going to that next level that we're just not going to play at. But, like, you know, what, you're going to make a Champions League final in Paris? Couldn't do that with us, Mauricio? Like, uh, you know, it's just... Yeah, I guess I guess that it never went bad with Bale um, is, is the difference, and... There was something very rough about watching it just go off the rails with Pochettino in a way that, you know, he did bear some culpability for it. I think that's what made it kind of rough to watch. I don't know. I thought it would be interesting to talk about. So, on that note, does anyone else have anything nasty to say about uh, either Crystal Palace or my coping mechanisms? Uh, Yeah, save it for your therapist. Okay, all right. (laughs) Ben, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade U Spurs. Brian, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. And you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. And don't forget to find our podcast on Twitter at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. And, uh, of course, uh, for Ben, for Brian, and for Brett Rainbow, I've been your host, Greg. Uh, come on, you Spurs. You know, actually, it's a good point. 
One of our uh, reviewers asked us, uh, who is Brett Rainbow? They've been listening to the podcast for six years. And it's funny you ask that, because Brett Rainbow is 